and welcome to episode three of the Mama Made podcast. Today I am joined by the very lovely Dr. Shruti Nathwani, aka the children's medic on Instagram. If you follow her content, you probably know how helpful it is, just how practical it is with information around allergies and choking and general safety. This chat was so informative and just incredibly helpful. I loved learning about how to think about allergies, especially given her experience with her own child. So if you have any concerns about allergies and weaning, this is definitely an episode to save and share. I hope you love it as much as I loved recording it. I'm so excited today to be joined by the wonderful Dr. Shruti Nathwani. You might know her as the children's medic on Instagram. Um, I know your time is super precious because you're not only a pediatric doctor, but you're a mom and you've got a whole platform supporting parents, newborn and child health advice. So thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. And thank you for having me. I'm very excited to talk all things allergies, actually. It's quite a passionate (laughs) subject of mine. Uh, it's probably because I've got a son who has an allergy. So yeah, it's close It's close to home. <laughs> oh, well, that's just amazing. So maybe if for anyone who doesn't follow you yet, um, but should do after after they've heard this podcast, could you tell our listeners just a bit about yourself and yeah, a bit more about your son and, and even your professional journey? Yeah, absolutely. So I've been working for the NHS for just over seven years um, as a pediatrician. And um, it was actually just before I got pregnant with my son, that I thought I set up a page which would help give evidence-based information to parents about all subjects relating to babies, infants, toddlers, children. And it was actually um, after he was born where I realized there was a huge gap between sort of the information I knew as a doctor and what mums and dads kind of wanted to know. And that's how the children's medic came about. And it's literally about giving that support, you know, when you're at home and you're really worried about your child and you don't know what to do. Um, so it's it's sort of like a resource that parents like to use for helpful, supportive information. Absolutely. And what's great about your resources is you do amazing reels, which makes it, yeah, it's just so easy to digest the information <laughs> that you're putting out there. Because a lot of times when you're reading, you know, you, your eyes can get a bit crossed. Also, why we've wanted to do this podcast to help parents really digestible um, ways of of getting this is information. And so, yeah, for today's episode, we're talking about all the safety elements of weaning. We know that when it comes to weaning and introducing solids for the first time, parents can just feel extremely anxious around their baby's well-being. You know, you've gotten the kind of milk feed sorted up to this point around six months, but you want to make sure that you don't do anything that's sort of, you know, going to set everything off the rails. Um, it can be extremely daunting. Um, so we just thought today we'll bring on an expert like yourself, Dr. Shruti Nathwani, and we will just you know, go through all of these topics to make sure everyone feels confident um, about introducing solids very safely. Um, and so I thought we'd start one of the literally the number one question we get in our DMs is around allergies and, and parents being quite worried about maybe their baby having an allergy already that they know about or will their baby develop an allergy. So let's just set the stage first. How common are food allergies actually in babies and toddlers? Yeah, so in the UK, around 5% of children under the age of two have diagnosed food allergies. And most commonly they tend to be sorts of cow's milk allergy, egg allergy, um, or peanut allergy. And um, how sort of mild or severe are these allergies typically for these most common ones? As you said, the cow's milk, egg, peanuts, what should parents be worried about in terms of how severe or not? So that, that's a, a little bit of a tricky question in that allergies, diagnosed allergies can vary from child to child in terms of severity. But I think that's something we should 
we should probably dive right into in terms of what you kind of expect with a mild, moderate or severe reaction and when you should sort of seek help for that allergy. Because I think that's sort of what you're trying to ask, that what are the symptoms that parents should expect or see when looking for a potential allergy? Yeah, no, exactly that. Um, thank you for, no for seeing through what I'm saying. Because I think also what comes up a lot is, you know, either the, the allergy has already been diagnosed, let's say a cow's milk allergy that came out either through breastfeeding or formula milk up until six months but for parents who maybe haven't had that come up yet what are you looking out for is yeah it, are you sort of in the clear and then you're looking out for other things like nuts where should parents head be I suppose when, okay. when they start weaning we start right from the beginning just in terms of like you know you've got your six month old you know you're going to start weaning but you're worried about allergies and everyone worries about allergies I'm a doctor and a mum and it didn't help a bit that I was a doctor I was still a mum worrying about my child and where they're going to react to foods so it really really brilliant bit of advice that I can give is that weaning is a huge journey. It's not something you just do when they're six months and it's just done. It's a process. So you've got the time, use it, space things out. And what we like to say is that when you start weaning with solids at six months, you want to try an allergy maybe once a week, so an allergen. So that could be, for example, egg. And why I'm saying egg is actually evidence has shown that that's a really good allergen to start with. And what we tend to advise is that you space the allergens out. So that's so you know if your little one is reacting to that allergen or not. And we tend to say, you know, three days apart. So if you introduce egg three days later, think about introducing peanut. And that's not to say rush in, do it like that. That's just a general piece of advice. Some parents like to do one allergen a week. We get asked a lot about how do you introduce it? And I think that was one of the questions we were going to go through. You know, we talked about egg being the first allergen. And just remember, you've got the lion stamped British eggs. Those are the ones you want to use. Um, and say you're starting off with egg. We do tend to quantify things by teaspoon. So we say start small, so a quarter of a teaspoon. And then if that's tolerated and there are no reactions, you can build it up to then half a teaspoon. If that's tolerated near reactions than a teaspoon. So start very, very small, space out the allergens. And if you're thinking of starting with something like egg, you can you can use the lion stamped British egg, you can cook it so it's a hard boiled egg, you can um, mash it down, remember to keep the yolk and the white because it's important to have both. And then you can mix it with something they've already had. And I know sweet potato and things like that are quite, um, they're easier on the palate. And if you mix that mashed egg, boiled egg, down into something like sweet potato, for example, then it's not just a completely brand new taste that's going into your little one's mouth. It's mixed in with something they've already tolerated, they already like, so that the actual egg does go in and doesn't just get spat up because that does tend to happen a lot with weaning, that foods come out, come out of the mouth quite a bit. That's amazing advice. Thank you. Because I think that for parents who haven't started or even if they had, but they, you know, that, that sort of how question is often so sort of glossy over in lots of resources yeah. um, or there's conflicting advice like some, you know some books especially sort of more outdated ones might say you know start with the whites only or the yolks only so that's a really important point to just go in with both um, and you're saying that start early with the egg on that point though about mixing with sweet potatoes if I may sort of take a step back which is because there's so much fear around allergens there's also fear around very low risk 
allergen foods like your fruits and vegetables also causing reactions. And so parents being hesitant to sort of mix veg and fruit early on. How do you suggest that parents navigate these sort of non necessarily big eight or, you know, big 11, big 14 allergens, but potential allergens, nevertheless, like aubergine or potato or or tomatoes? Yeah, so you've got the list of the 14 um, allergens, including like cow's milk, eggs, peanuts, seeds, soya, fish, it goes on. Vegetables aren't in that list of allergens for a reason and that's why when I when you advise mixing sort of um, an allergen that's proven like egg um, with something I don't know say like sweet potato or broccoli um, it tends to be fine children can have reactions they can have intolerances to certain food groups but what I think is best is to always just do one thing at a time if it's sweet potatoes one week if it's broccoli another week it's just to take each food group at a time and see how your little one responds to it because allergy is one thing but you can also have reactions with the gut so for example my son Jason when we started giving him broccoli he developed a lot of wind but as we carried on with the broccoli the wind settled as his gut got used to it so there are different responses and reactions that the body can have some um, symptoms indicate an allergy and some in, some symptoms indicate maybe an intolerance or just that your little one is getting used to it it might be helpful for me to sort of go into detail about what symptoms you would expect with an allergy so that we know what we're dealing with when we're introducing different food groups. Yes, please. That was that was the natural <laughs> next question of the sort of, okay, fine. So what am I actually looking out for? I've given that bit of, you know, that teaspoon of egg mixed in with a sweet potato. Yeah. How do I know? You have what we call immediate reactions and what we call delayed reactions. Immediate reactions can happen instantly up until two hours. They tend to, on average, happen at the 20 to 30 minute mark post-ingestion of the allergen. And the sorts of things that you would be looking out for, number one, we categorize them into skin changes. So things like skin flushing, skin going red, rashes, hives, itchiness. So instantly there's irritation on the skin. Swelling, so you can get lip swelling, face swelling, tongue and throat swelling, which obviously are the worrying things. You can get vomiting and diarrhea. And really, really, really rarely, very severe reactions that indicate anaphylaxis, such as wheezing, difficulty in breathing, or even potentially collapse, um, which, you know, if that obviously happens, call 999 immediately. So those are your immediate sort of reactions that you can get with allergens. And then you can also get quite delayed reactions that are very, very difficult to identify because they tend to be persisting gut symptoms like constipation or mucus in the stool and you could even have a reaction where your little one just rejects that food group because they know straight away that that food group does not make them feel very well. That's really really interesting that the sort of non-specific markers things like yeah tummy upset or even your baby just refusing a food um, could potentially indicate that further kind of exploration is needed. So what would you say are sort of next steps when you do identify a reaction? So I can give a story of my own son, Arthur, who um, the first time I gave him egg, he came out in hives everywhere, like all over his face, all over the trunk of his body. Um, He was clearly in distress. I mean, it was almost immediate. I thought, okay, and you know, my nephew has an egg allergy. I thought that's it. He's got an egg allergy. And I um, stopped giving egg. I rushed, you know, to get a referral to a pediatrician who did um, a skin prick test. And lo and behold, he does not have an egg allergy. Um, So I felt quite histrionic for having done that. Um, that maybe I should have just reintroduced again, um, you know, maybe it was just that first time. So 
for moms like myself who, you know, skew towards the histrionic and, and neurotic um, or not even <laughs> generally like just worried about their kids. How do you react when you do see something that could potentially and, and just remember, worry is actually just us protecting our children. And most of us are worrying about them because we're caring about them and there's absolutely nothing wrong. And I, as a pediatrician, always say, like, if you err on the side of caution, that's fine. You know, as doctors, we don't mind seeing children and we have a very low threshold for seeing children when we think there's something wrong. So it's actually always best to get your little one seen to if you as a parent think, no, no, something's really wrong. I don't know what it is um, because we're more than happy to see you. And and it's a really good question because if there is a mild reaction, the general advice tends to be that I would always say if there's any sort of reaction, speak to your GP and get your little one seen. That would be my baseline advice. And what a GP may offer is that if it is mild, so if it's a bit of facial flushing and nothing else and your uh, little one's otherwise really happy, well alert, playing, you know, peeing, pooping, just great, but has had this little reaction, you can do something called watch and wait, where you can see, does it disappear on its own? Are they better? And if, they, if it does disappear on its own and they're still really well in themselves, then a week later, you can even try it again. So that's what we say is like a sort of like a mild reaction that's resolving on, on by itself. But anything other than that, like mild to moderate, moderate to severe, you're going to seek help. You're going to get that uh, medical attention. You're going to get on the phone to your GP and just going to say, this is what's happened. I'm not sure what to do next. And they will run through the history of your child. Because bear in mind, we're talking about lots of different babies who have lots of different backgrounds. And this is a really good time for me to probably say, if your little one has got eczema or a family history of food allergy or has food allergy themselves, you should be speaking to your GP before you start weaning because they could be doing things differently with weaning. And I won't go into that too much because that's a conversation for you to have with your GP and it's very individualized. But what I'm saying is that not every baby is the same and it's important that if they're having a reaction to a food group, let your GP know. So as even if it resolves and even if they're well, as it can be logged on the system as well. So if anything does develop or go wrong, it's, you've spoken to a medical professional and they've given you some advice. Okay, that's really reassuring. And I think it's always nice to hear from a pediatrician like yourself that, you know, you don't mind seeing babies that um, that are well. You know, that's probably actually the best outcome for you as a doctor is to see a baby that um, is well. Definitely something that's reassuring to hear. I know, especially with the way our system is set up, it can often feel like you've been wasting a medical professional's time. And that's um, what I actually hate to hear. And, you know, I, even though I knew how the systems worked, when I became a mom, I was fearful of taking Jason to see my GP and she would say, why? And I would say, I'm just, I just didn't want to waste your time because it didn't seem that, you know, worrisome, but I just wasn't sure. And, you know, even as a pediatrician, even as a mom, I didn't know what I was doing sometimes. And it is always better to be seen if you're worried about something. Okay, thank you, Dr. Shruti. That's <laughs> very reassuring for me, at least. Um, and so going back to this question of, of when to introduce allergens in you, we've, it's very helpful to know you start with that teaspoon, you build up. Is there any reason to start before six months with allergens um, and then after eggs, sort of what order do you like to introduce allergens after that? Yeah, so as I mentioned, um, if your child has got eczema or a known food allergy or there's a strong family history of eczema allerg food allergies, speak to your GP, they may refer you to a dietitian, and it's all very contextualized. This doesn't apply to everyone. This is very individualized treatment plans. And there are some specific situations where exceptions are made and allergens are introduced at around the four month mark. Uh, and that's very specific, again, like I said, to that family. 
So um, definitely get in touch with your GP if that sounds like that's you. And if it's not you and there's no family history of food allergies or your list one does not have eczema, does not have a diagnosed food allergy, then please start at the six-month mark. And what we have found in lots of studies is that delaying introduction of allergens causes risk of having an allergy, which is just <laughs> mind-blowing, I think. And it's, you know, we've come a long way from very old research that may have suggested otherwise. So delaying an allergen is not is not encouraged. Actually doing it in a sort of like a controlled fashion from the age of six months, slowly spacing things apart, that's really strongly advised. And on that sort of note, I'd also add in a few tips. And one of them would be do it in the morning. <laughs> if you're worried about reactions to food groups, do it in sort of the morning time. So you've got the rest of the day to see if a reaction or a symptom appears or develops. Then you're not left, you know, late evening with a reaction and worried and having to go to pediatric A&E because you're not sure what's happening. You've got sort of the day to see how it's going, get the help if you need it or, you know, monitor. Um, and I found that really helpful as well because babies tend to be quite energetic. You know, there's like a period in the morning between, I don't know, eight and 11, where there's like, you know, a nice bit of energy that they've got because weaning does obviously require lots of energy for them. So um, just keep that in mind when you start weaning. That's really helpful. Thank you. Um, and yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, parents ask a lot, you know, when should I introduce the first meal? What meal should I do? And, and in general, we always say like, you know, do what works for you and your baby. But when it comes to allergens, absolutely give yourself the time of the day so you don't need to be doing it in the middle of the night because, you know, take what you can get in terms of rest. So that's a very helpful reminder. And then in terms of like, so let's say the baby's had one teaspoon, two, two teaspoons, three teaspoons of egg. Is it possible then for an allergy to come out on like the sixth or seventh or eighth or ninth? At, at one point, can you feel like you're really in the clear with an allergy? Yeah, so immediate reactions, they tend to show straight away and then can be, they can be replicable. So every time you gave, say, a quarter of a teaspoon, you get the same reaction. That's kind of, in a way, diagnostic because allergies are replicable. If you're finding that you give, I don't know, a uh, a teaspoon of egg and there may have been a reaction but you're not sure and then you gave it again and there was nothing and then you gave it again and you know if it's not that obvious it could be one of two things one no real allergy there or two you could be, there could be a delayed um, reaction now like I mentioned earlier those reactions tend to be replicable they tend to persist so Jason had um, this is a mouthful by the way non-IgE CMPA, so cow's milk protein allergy, but he had a delayed reaction. So for quite a while, undiagnosed, even though I'm a pediatrician, <laughs> even though I knew something was up, because his reactions were digestive and it was a mixture of wind and constipation and I didn't know what was causing it, when, when it was causing it. And the biggest thing I can say in terms of help there is keeping, um, if you can, because it's a lot of work, but keeping a food diary and a symptom tracker if you're concerned about a potential allergy. I think that's always best because then when you do go see a healthcare professional, you can say broccoli on this day, this is what I think has happened. I gave it again the week after. This is the symptom. And you've got like, you know, you've got a bit of a diary there, which is really useful to track the delayed reactions. That's really, really helpful. Thank you. And um, just a final point on allergens and allergies um, before we move on to other safety topics. Growing out of allergies, um, I know that's something that some parents are sort of hopeful. Like we know how stressful it can be to feed a baby with allergies. And that's why our meals are completely free from the big eight allergens, um, just to give parents that peace of mind. But working with a healthcare professional, are there 
allergies and allergens that can potentially be reintroduced and a child grow out of? And if so, which ones are sort of the more common ones to outgrow? Yeah, so I would say, again, this is that's a tricky question because everything's very specific to each child. And I think a dietitian would be the best person to seek help from in those situations. But general rule is a peanut allergy tends to be an allergy that is not grown out of but a milk allergy or an egg allergy tends to be grown out of. So those are general rules. Don't quote me on that because, you know, every child is very different. Yeah, I think getting individualized help from a, from a dietitian is, is really important in those situations. Uh, and just to give a, a personal um, example, Jason is two and a half years old um, and he's failed the milk lab a, a number of times. So we still continue to try and... Um, we give his gut a rest, so give for a couple of months, we don't try again, and then we then we try again on the milk lather. Um, so don't be disheartened, because uh, he's, he's nearly three, and he's still, you know, got a milk allergy, um, but we know with him, and as he grows, I think eventually he will grow out of it, and we'll keep you know, persevering with that milk ladder. Absolutely. And in any case, in today's day and age, it's such a, a great time, so to speak, to have an allergy because of the number of products out there catering yeah. um, to people. So again, not to be disheartened. And we do get loads and loads of questions um, about um, what you've just mentioned, your the milk ladder and egg ladder. So just to reiterate here, this is so specific to each child. So definitely seek um, help from your own healthcare professional yeah. and dietitian. Absolutely. Um, so another thing that we know parents can get really worried about is choking um, and particularly because baby led weaning especially in the UK is so popular in a way it, it's, it causes fear for people um, because of it starting with whole foods and and parents being worried about choking um, so let's just go to like the actual basics what would a baby be experiencing that would make you really worried about choking again just to say I was petrified of this as well so it's a really good topic to run through but with choking Usually, because the airway is blocked, your little one will tend to go blue in colour. They can be quite quiet and silent, and they, they don't tend to have a cough that is effective, which means that they cannot dislodge that, that item that's blocking the airway. And it, it is scary. What we need to know, what we need to talk about today is gagging, because it looks different to choking. And with gagging, you know, the tongue will go forward, the face may go red, you'll hear that spluttering and the, the sort of the gagging noise and the coughing noise. And it's a reflex that's supposed to, it's protective for that airway. And, you know, usually when this one's a gagging, it self-resolves and they are able to, you know, work their way around whatever's just happened. Now, even me just describing that now, I know there are people listening thinking that's just scary. And it is. So, I would actually strongly advise, if you can, if you're able, you can even just look on YouTube, but a first aid course before you start weaning is a really ideal thing to do, if possible. I know that's not going to be possible for everyone, but just having that bit of confidence to know that, okay, if, if I am in a situation where my little one is choking and I know what to do, or I've practiced it, or someone's shown me what to expect, then it just gives you a bit more reassurance that when, you're, when you see gagging, you don't immediately immediately think choking. And I think that's what the course will help, you know, support. And again, you know, if you're in these situations and you just don't know what's happening or you think that your little one's choking, you've got to seek help immediately. 
And, it, you know, overall, you will learn very quickly, as we all do, what is gagging, um, because it happens a lot. And the reason it happens is because that tongue, that reflex, that gag reflex is strong when your babies start weaning. It's more in the middle of the tongue. And as they grow and as they get more used to food, it tends to go further backwards. And it's, you know, it happens less and less. It happens once they're getting more experience with the food. And it's it's a protective mechanism. So it's supposed to be there. And, and gagging, it, it's it's not, you, know, you can't just say it's a good thing, but it is protective and it develops that reflex. Um, so it's very, very different to choking. Absolutely. It's a completely different sort of look on the child's face and what they're experiencing. Um, and to your point about doing a first aid course, and that's always my number one recommendation is to help get yourself confident because how you react in a situation can really have an effect on kind of outcomes. I've certainly seen, you know, my son choking and gagging and knowing kind of just stay calm when he's gagging because he does work it out himself it comes you know flying out eventually versus you know we, he had a really bad cold recently and was like choking on his mucus and, and how we sort of swept in to dislodge that for him I was sort of like oh wow thankfully I had done a course on on first aid because otherwise yeah. um, it is really frightening and so it does as you say it doesn't need to be a huge investment of, on your part on time or in money um, there's plenty on YouTube or TikTok and we'll certainly be doing more on that topic as well um, just to give yourself a bit of reassurance that you know how to manage a situation when it does come up yeah and absolutely like there are there's so much um there's so much out there in terms of resources just make sure whatever you're using i think is certified um and is safe and it's got all the the right recommendations on that the other thing to remember is that we say six months start solids and that's fine if you've got a healthy baby that was that was born at term but you know when that doesn't apply to everyone so say for example uh, your baby was premature, at six months they may not have developed the swallowing skills, the neck control, they may not be developmentally ready. So if you're unsure, if you think your baby is not able to sit up properly and hold their head and neck steady, even though they're six months old, for whatever reasons, that in itself is a risk for, for choking. So make sure that you speak to your healthcare professional if you're worried that you don't think your baby's strong enough yet or their muscles aren't strong enough yet and just get them seen because it could be that you're right and it could be that developmentally actually they're, they're not just quite there yet. Um, and again, as I mentioned just now, if your baby was born uh, and they were premature, then they will have different milestones um, and that you know general age of six months may not apply to them. Such a great point, because it really is, you know, weaning is sort of a skill like any other. But for some reason, you know, we don't expect every baby to be crawling at nine months. <laughs> we find it normal if a baby's not walking by 12 months. But for some reason with weaning, we seem to think, oh, well, six months, they'll be totally fine with food. Whereas it, there are, you know, there are the three signs of readiness that we look for. And we've discussed that in the first episode of this podcast series um, and certainly have have lots of topics, lots of resources around that on our pages. Um, so, yeah, exactly that is not to feel like the six months is some line in the sand where this is when your baby's ready and um, looking out for those signs and arming yourself with the resources that you can to know how to navigate yeah and they are it's, a, it's such a big experience not just for your little one but for parents and it can be daunting in so many different ways and um that's why i said it's a journey it's not that it starts six months and it just ends it goes on it's a process and just you know when it comes to things like doing a first aid course that's brilliant but also things like look at what you're giving and is it a choking hazard you know there are lots of resources that can show you the different food groups that are hazards 
how to prepare foods. And I know you can have your spoon, you can be spoon fed with purees, you can have, you know, baby led weaning, you can have soft uh, finger foods and all the rest of it. But just look at how you're preparing that food. It has to be safe for that airway because again, that's another um, reason for little ones to choke. Absolutely. Um, and on that note, I guess any final thoughts um, that parents should think about when they when they are starting this weaning journey and going through it? Yeah, I think safety for me is you know a number of different things. Safety is one. Is your little one well? Because imagine if you start weaning when they've got a cough and a cold and they're just really under the weather. It's not going to go very well. Um, so don't do it. Don't don't introduce those allergens when your little one's not feeling well. Um, because how are you going to determine what the reaction is? If there's a rash, is that because of an illness? And if there's a rash, is that because of an allergen? This isn't just to apply to weaning, don't wean your child if they're unwell. I'm saying don't introduce allergens when they're not well. Um, because you won't be able to determine what reaction they're having. So that's my number one safety tip. And number two, development. To look, as I, as I said, do you, does your child look developmentally ready? And if you can't make that judgment or you're unsure, then please see a healthcare professional. You mostly will be able to look at your child and know they're sitting up now, they're holding their neck up. They, you know, you can see that. That's all visual. But if you're worried, then get them seen because if they're not developmentally ready, then that's a, that's a risk. And then third, how you prepare your food, um, how they're sitting, all of those different things, they matter. So just be safe in your food prep um, and, and just be safe in the way that you're doing and you're doing weaning. These are great tips to end on. And, and just the, the reminder to yourself that, you know, it's normal to worry. We're all doing our best just to keep our kids safe and healthy. Um, so if you'd like a hand in the process, uh, Mama Maid, we're definitely here to help. We've got mealtime coaches that um, you can speak to. We've got amazing allergen-free products as well for your family to explore. But mostly just a huge thank you to you, Dr. Shruti Nathwani, um, the children's medic on Instagram. Uh, thank you for joining me on this episode. You've shared just some amazing insight, spoke so perfectly and eloquently on this topic that can be so frightening. I could listen to your voice all day long. Oh, <laughs> it's just yours. Thank you. That I really actually, I've not done many podcasts, uh, as I said before. So I really enjoyed that. It was very different to doing, I guess, all the other things like the videos and things that I've done. Um, it was it was nice, and I, I think it's such a good topic to do because I, as I was talking to you, I was remembering all the fears that I had, and it was so long ago. Um, and you just want to help people when you know that it's a scary process. Yeah, exactly. Like it's scary, but it doesn't need to be overwhelmingly so. It's manageable. Yeah. Um, it's easily navigated. And even if you do have an allergy, it's not like, you know, a death sentence. It's yeah. very manageable. It's just um, another thing to think about as a parent, unfortunately, in the never ending. How old is your little one, you said? So I've got a 10-month-old and a four-year-old. Um, oh so my four-year-old, I'm sort of out of the woods with. She eats pretty much everything now. And yeah, my 10-month-old, he's, I mean, he's just a riot. But yeah, he's got a really sensitive gag reflex. Like, he's been not the easiest child to wean. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to actually say, and I forgot that you... As a parent, you can get really scared with that gag reflex and it can stop you from trying different textures and varieties of food. And I had a point in my weaning journey where I was petrified. There was a gagging episode that just scared me, even though I had all these qualifications and skills with first aid. Um, and I spoke to a really good colleague of mine and she said, this is normal, push through, things will get better. And it was the best piece of advice I'd ever been given because I had a cousin with a similar age child who, you know, had the same experience, didn't push through, stayed on purees, 
And to this day, um, Hellespont's got difficulty with um, real textures and varieties of solids. And it was because the purees were kept on for so long. And, you know, that's almost like a case study in itself. But I think parents don't know, you know, how impactful things can be at the beginning um, and how important that variety and the texture, how important it really is, because I think you just read it and you think, oh, okay, I'll try. But you don't appreciate the true reasons why you're being told to do something sometimes. That's such a good point. Yeah, I totally relate to that. I mean, that's what we always say is like when you're introducing something smooth as soon as your baby's fine with the smooth thing challenge on the texture and and exactly that try to push through without you know within reason if, if it's too difficult for them then pull back but yeah you're if you let your own fear get in the way of them learning how to chew um you're just sort of setting yourself up for very stressful meal times in the future yeah. but oh it is horrible watching them gag because it doesn't even though it's normal for them it, as a parent you don't it seems as though they're choking even though yeah. they're not I mean, I can see like Arthur's face now, like, and then, you know, all of a sudden this big thing comes like flying out into the bib. I'm like, okay, he, he managed. Um, and also I, I always find that if you do sort of jump on them when they're having a gagging episode, that can actually cause more problems. Like yeah. in that they can maybe like inhale and they were, and then potentially choke. So trying to stay calm when they're doing it, that. It is that, you know, figuring out, should I intervene? Should I not? And knowing, and that's why watching videos, seeing visual, you know, aids where you, you can really see the difference between a choking and a gagging episode and knowing that you're almost having to teach yourself what is right and what is wrong because why if you are for example a first-time parent or you've got you know a little one that's having a completely different feeling journey to maybe your previous children how are you to know what is completely right and wrong it's very difficult and um it's like you said if you jump on that gagging episode you're scaring them and something else can happen but also your fears you know our babies, they pick up on absolutely everything. If you're scared, they become scared instantly. If you're sad, they'll be, they'll be feeling a bit sad. So if we try to our best, as, as much as we can to stay calm and just try and enjoy it with them, they will enjoy it too. It makes all the difference. Oh, such good advice. Um, I'm very <laughs> conscious you've, you've got a very busy day and, and oh, thank to, you. To, to manage. But thank you so much for taking no, the time out you. of your busy schedule. It really means a lot. Okay, you take care. Take now. care. Well, that is it for this episode of the Mama Made Podcast. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. We'll, of course, be back with even more episodes about this weaning journey and parenting in general with some more familiar faces. So don't be shy. Please send us all your questions, share your weaning wins and parenting wins, and follow us at Hello Mama Made. You can follow me at Sophie M. Barron and follow Shruti at The Children's Medic, all one word. And just remember that we're always here with you throughout this journey to share the load and share the love.